You're listening to Perry Noble's thoughts on leadership, vision, and creativity. You can find Perry online at perrynoble.com. Hello and welcome to the May 2013 edition of the Perry Noble Leadership Podcast. My name is Shane. I'll be our host today and we're super excited about today's topic. Today's topic is riding the waves. That's a white 5 isn't it? Oh, is it? Yeah. I thought we were doing Wipeout. No, I just decided against that. Hey, that works. Hawaii Five O. that gets us in the mood, though. So you guys are ready for today's podcast. I'm ready for the beach. But before we get to that, let me just uh, make an announcement for a conference we've got coming up October the 24th of this year. It's called Unleashing Your Children's and Student Ministry. It's going to be focused on children and student ministry, obviously, and it's all uh, with the Unleashed brand, the things you've seen us do in the past. You do not want to miss it. The thing about this conference, however, is it's going to be limited to 800 people, $79. We'll have a website that goes live the 1st of June, and you can go there to get all the other information, sign up and get in this, but it's going to fill up quick and you need to be a part of it. Perry, is there anything you want to add about that conference coming up that our listeners should know about? No, other than it's just going to be incredible. It's one day. It's, it's a one-day conference, and it's completely focused on children's ministry and student ministry. How to do it, why do we do it, how do you raise up volunteers, how do you do uh, production, how do you do small groups. I mean, it's going to be all over the board, and it's going to highlight um, our student ministry, our children's ministry, and, and they're going to be sharing about what they're doing. Um, it's it's going to be it's going to be an amazing, amazing conference. But once we have 800 people, it's full. We literally don't have room for, for anyone else. And that 79 bucks includes lunch, it includes snacks, it includes um, the, the ribbon dance that I'll be doing. Right. for. Yeah, it's going to be amazing. So I, I would say, um, it, so it, if you follow me on Twitter, um, or if you follow Unleash Ministry on Twitter, what is, what is that tweet? Is it at Unleash? At Unleash. At Unleash. At Unleash, if you follow them on Twitter, we'll be tweeting when the li- website goes live. Um, I would get my assistant to actually look, but we we kicked her cell phone out of the meeting because everybody knows how rude it was the last time her phone yeah, went off. Yeah, we can't have that horrible. anymore. It was made me embarrassed. So uh, with that, you guys, put that on your calendar and be aware. Let your student ministry, children's ministry people know uh, they're going to want to be a part of that October 24th. So let's uh, transition into today's topic, Perry. You know, we're heading into the summer months, and many of us will be spending some R&R time around bodies of water. I know a few years ago you were spending some R&R time near the Pacific Ocean. I was in Hawaii. Hey, it that's was a awesome. good place to be. And decided to do some surfing, so you took lessons. Tell us about that experience real quick. Well, I've done it twice. The, the first time wasn't that good. Um, I was out there for about an hour, and the guy guaranteed, um, if you took lessons with him, that he would, he, you, he would get you up on the board at least one time. You would stand up at least one time. And he worked with you for an hour. Well, 50 minutes in, he's working with me still. He can't, I mean, I could not stand up on the board. And um, finally, at the end of that experience, he finally, I mean, I finally learned how to surf. I I mean, it took me 50 minutes to finally stand up for the first time. Um, And then several years later, Lucretia and I were back over there. We went back with the same company, took lessons, and I stood up the first time. And I was able to ride waves literally all day. I think I only fell one time. Um, It's due to my superior athletic ability, (laughs) I'm sure. But um, it... It's some of the most fun. It's one of the biggest rushes I've ever had. I, I wish, I wish, you know, we don't have a lot of surfing here in Anderson, no. South Carolina. But if we did, I would do it. You'd a lot. be ready. Oh yeah. Well, since that time, uh, I know you've recognized how your experience surfing serves sort of as a picture 
of some important leadership lessons that you've learned over the years. So today, we're going to take a look at what leading and surfing have in common. Yes. Hence the title or topic, Riding the Waves. Yes. So, question number one. Some of what you experienced and learned uh, has to do with momentum. How do you define momentum? Well, before I get the definition of momentum, I'll just say you, you, it's, it's really difficult to surf unless you have a wave. Um, you, you can't surf on still bodies of, of water. I mean, I made the joke earlier, um, you know, we don't have a lot of surfing in Anderson because we don't have a lot of waves. Um, you can go to the lake, and if a boat comes by, you might can like catch a small one, but that's about it. And so you got to have a wave to surf. And the bigger the wave, um, the faster you can go, the more of a rush you can get. And so with that in mind, um, we, we kind of compared the wave to the momentum. And momentum, I honestly like Dave Ramsey's definition of momentum. I'm not going to try to improve on what he said. He, he wrote a book on, um, called Entree Leadership that's absolutely awesome. And he said that, I believe he said that momentum is focused intensity over time. Yep. Plus, I mean, and, and we, we kind of took that and said we multiplied that by God because ultimately, not to make it better than Dave's because, hey, Dave is awesome, but we believe that God is ultimately the one that sends the waves. Um, and so momentum are those waves, I feel, that, that the Lord sends our way. And in some cases, I believe they're the waves that, that we can create sometimes as well. So momentum um, can be sent by God, and momentum can also be created by um, the, the church or the organization. That's good. So waves create momentum for the surfer. What creates momentum for a leader or a church? Um, going back to last month's podcast, I believe one of the things that create momentum is when a leader or a group of leaders are willing to work hard to make something happen. Um, I want to go all the way back, and we kind of talked about this last month, but I want to talk about our Easter services. Um, Easter services at New Spring, <clears throat> we had... 49, over 40, 49,336 people come to a service. Now, if you, if you break that, that down, technically that's one out of every 100 people in the state of South Carolina. And um, people might say, well, you guys must have prayed a lot. And we did. We, we prayed a whole lot that God would bring people. But we sort of created the momentum as well. So it was last, last month. I don't want to rehash it, but we did say God works through people that work. So... One of the things we did is several, you know, several, several weeks out, we made an announcement. We created a website. People came together. There were pictures. There was um, all of the departments in the church working together. There were people sharing ideas. There were storyboards. There were whiteboards. It was a process. And by all of that hard work, we created momentum. Um, God gave us the natural wave of Easter. Come on. Easter is the biggest momentum wave in, in Christmas. That, that I think that God sends the, our way. I mean, that, those are two waves that you know are coming every single year. So we knew, here comes a wave. What can we do to make this thing bigger? What can we do to make this thing better? I mean, you know, let, let's ride this thing as long as we can. And so we about five or six weeks out is actually when we started promoting and pushing it, and we were able to kind of ride that wave all the way um, through Easter, and, and so it wasn't one of those where we're going to sit in a room and pray for God to send people. Yes, pray for God to send people, but then work as hard as possible to make sure that you're doing your part for God to send those people. That's real good. So just like a surfer on the waves wants to get to the shore, 
the momentum of the wave carries them. In our case, you're talking about Easter here. We saw Easter in view, mm-hmm. and we want to do everything we could to point people to that. Right. Is that what you're saying? So mm-hmm. momentum sees something in the future and says, hey, what can I do now to get people excited about well, that? Well, also when you're surfing, one of the things that the instructor taught us is when you're sitting there on a board, um, you may see a good size wave coming, but you don't always want to take that wave. You got to always look beyond the wave. That's you, you got to look beyond the wave that's right in front of you to see if there's a better opportunity coming along. And so, one of the things we chose to do is say, "Hey, let's use March as an opportunity to prepare for Easter, the wave that's coming, rather than let's try to create a bunch of smaller waves in March and wear out our staff and." put all our effort in and wear out our people and wear out our church. Let's, let's let some of these smaller waves coming just kind of pass us because we want to ride the big one. Focused our intensity. Yes. Um, so with a wave, it's easy to know when a wave ends, the surfboard dies and you fall in the water, right? Mm-hmm. How do you know, or how does a leader know that momentum is ending? Well, you fall. Um, like, like you, the, the, the rod slows down when you're surfing, eventually, you know, the, the wave is done because the board's not going forward anymore and it doesn't have the force to propel you forward. It doesn't have the force to keep you going. And on a surfboard without the force to propel you forward or the, without the force to keep you going, you're going to fall. I mean, I don't care how balanced you are. You're on a board in the middle of water. You're you're gonna fall. You, I mean, you that it's gonna happen. And so I would say you know that the wave is is done in leadership when that the event is over. Like Easter Sunday night, we knew wave is over. Okay, I mean Easter. If you're gonna call Easter a wave of momentum, then it's done. The you know the day after Easter. So it's kind of like we celebrated it, but we decided on purpose for at our Easter services, we were going to highlight what we were launching the very next week, which was a series called Chains. So we took the natural wave that God sends every year called Easter, we rode it, and then we did our best to say, hey, next week we're starting a brand new series. This is what it is. This is what it's about. And we were able to create another wave of momentum that took us into Mother's Day rather than saying, well, everybody's going to stop coming after Easter. They didn't. We had great crowds every Sunday after Easter because we chose to say, you know what, we're going to create a new event. We're going to create a new series. We're going to create a new wave. So is that how you would instruct the leaders listening to this podcast is when you feel that momentum dies or that event passes is to immediately focus on the next thing and try to create a new wave of momentum? Yes, Absolutely. Uh, how does a leader get in the right place or position uh, to catch the best wave? Um, well, one of the things I take people through in my coaching network, and we will have a, a coaching network probably sometime this year, or, or a, um, leadership intensive, is there are natural times in the church calendar that you're given every single year that give you Um, basic waves of momentum. Like, for example, the second Sunday in January every year is a wave. It's not the first Sunday in January. I hear so many people go, well, the first Sunday in January has got to be special. Everybody's coming back to church first week in January. They're not coming. You can go back and look at the numbers. They're not coming to church the first Sunday in January. They'll be there the second Sunday in January. Um, 
and you've got that wave, and you can ride it to about mid-February. Um, Mid-February is when you, if you, uh, this is when I suggest it's a great time to, to launch what I would call um, a felt needs series. And some people go, well, our church don't do felt needs. Well, fine, your church can die. Um, the, the, the problem with a church for too long is we've been answering questions that nobody is asking. So the middle of February is a great time to launch a series that actually answers questions that people are asking. And you can ride that wave all the way, usually up until Easter. Um, March is a time where the waves don't come as frequently and as strong, simply because you got spring breaks um, all through March in colleges and high schools. You got people going on vacation, um, and they've been in church for two months. Like it or not, March is just a dead time. But then you have Easter. Somewhere from the end of March to the end of April, um, whatever formula that we were given by the Catholic Church determines Easter. I personally think that we ought to get together, all the pastors listening to this podcast, I think if we should just say Easter is the second Sunday in April every year. Yes, and amen. I, I think that would just solve a lot of problems for our churches if we just said that's when it is every year and we can just plan around it. But that's just my suggestion, and I think it's awesome. Um, but you've got momentum from Easter to Mother's Day, okay? After Mother's Day... Um, it's 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 going to be tough. Um, Memorial Day is typically the lowest attended day in church all year long. Memorial Day and Father's Day actually kind of fight it out for the lowest attended day. So you got to figure if June, July, and the first and second Sundays in August are natural momentum downtime, what can you do during that time period to really draw people into your church? Those are waves that you're going to have to create. They're not sent your way. 20% of your church is going to be gone away on vacation at some point. They're going to be away. They're going to be gone. So you've got to figure out what can we do as a church to create some waves. This, uh, this summer, we're doing a series here at uh, New Spring Church on spiritual warfare. It's a very, very... Um, well, we've done Q&A before, and it's always ask about. We're doing a series um, on bringing the Bible to life. The, the Bible, the thing on the... Was it Discovery Channel or yep. History Channel or whatever... Um, it was so popular that we're doing our own version of that. We we were actually in Israel. We, re, we recorded film for that. It's going to be very interesting. Our people are going to be really excited. And um, after that, about the third Sunday in August, listen, third Sunday in August, everybody that came to your church the second Sunday in January, they're coming back the third Sunday in August. They're just going to be there. You could preach on the the goat in Leviticus, and they're go like, what happened to the goat? They don't care about the goat, but they're coming to church that Sunday, and they're going to be there until about the middle of September. About the middle of September, beginning of October, you've got to do another felt needs thing. You've got to do another thing that creates momentum in your church, and you've got to push that through October, November. October, November, usually for some people, are tough months. For us, They've been unbelievable months because we say, you know what, we don't surrender Sundays, we don't surrender seasons, so we're going to do whatever it takes to get as many people as possible to church. And then you've got December. We've been told people don't come to church in December, but the past several years has proved otherwise. People will come to church in December if they think church is going to be something that's relevant to their lives. And then you've got the big, the, the, the Christmas wave. You've got the Christmas wave that is absolutely enormous, and if you start riding that wave about three or four weeks before you start preparing for it, Christmas can be one of the biggest um, biggest uh, services that your church has 
all year long. So you're saying there's natural big waves during the year for a church. You mentioned those. But you've also said something that goes countercultural to most church cultures, I do believe, where they basically say, hey, it's a downtime. This is a time to catch our breath. What we say at New Spring is we're going to try to create momentum, Mm -hmm. fight against the natural downturn with hot series, felt needs, and things like that to draw more people in. One of the things that we say around here a lot is that every week is somebody's first week. Every week is somebody's first week. And because, because of that being true, we can't take a Sunday off. We can't afford to say, you know what, this is just going to be, let's just throw an average speaker up there. Let's get the average person that's tone deaf and can't sing. Let's get the rude greeters. Let's get the, you know, let's get the children's workers that don't care about children. And let's see how, you know, let's just, let's just throw something together and make it happen. Um, the only person that could throw something together and make it happen successfully was my grandma when she cooked in the kitchen. <laughs> she would just start pulling things out of cupboards, and she could throw stuff together, and it was amazing. But this is not grandma's kitchen, and this is not grandma. This is God. He deserves our very best. And so every week is somebody's first week. We do not surrender Sundays because God deserves our best 52 times a year. And last year it was 53 times because there were 53 Sundays. Amen to that. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Uh, when you're riding away, Perry, when the guy was teaching you and you, and you actually did stand up, what do you what do you focus your attention on? What do you look at? You look ahead. You look ahead. See, here's the thing. Here's the reason I could not um, stand up the first time I went. I kept looking down. Our, my surfer instructor, his name was Ricardo. Um, of course and, it was. It, yeah, because all surfer instructors are named Ricardo. Um, he was the national surfing champion one year, I think, for Peru. And so – and he – he just, he was the kind, I hated him actually because he looked, I mean, he was just all chiseled up and long hair, looked like a surfer. And, um, but he was, he was yelling at me the entire time because I kept looking down. So I would get on the board and I would stand up, but every time I stood up, I would look down. And every time I looked down, I would fall. And he would literally fuss at me. He's like, you look down, you stop looking down. Don't look down. I remember, I can still hear him in the water yelling at me, don't look down, don't look down, don't look down. And then I would look down and I would fall. And he kept pulling me to the side going, the reason you're falling is because you're looking down. And I kept telling him, no, the reason I'm falling is because I have a belly and it keeps pulling me <laughs> forward. And he's like, no, you know, you look down, you look down. And so finally, I remember the first time I didn't fall, I was telling myself over and over and in my mind, don't look down, don't look down, don't look down. And I looked at the shore on purpose, and I was able to stand up because I wasn't looking down. I was actually looking at the shore. And that was a huge leadership lesson for me because I was like, oh, my gosh, a leader's job is to be looking ahead. I think one of the reasons leaders don't ride the wave of momentum is because they don't trust the people they have around them. So they're always looking down to see if this person did this and did this person do this, and I'm going to have to do this, and I'm going to have to do this, and I'm going to have to do this. And not trusting the people you have around you in the process can cause you to fall off that board and cause you to not ride that wave more than anything else in the world because you bog the system down with your personal preferences rather than letting people do what they've actually been called and gifted to do. Hello, that was awesome right there. (laughs) Yes, I'm high-fiving myself right now. Good one. Baby, you're a song. You make me want to roll my windows down. That was free. We're not charging you for that. Summertime, baby. That's right. Hey, uh, so in the ocean, there's lots of waves, uh, and you've mentioned lots of different waves of momentum that come for church leaders. 
But how, uh, you also mentioned earlier that uh, the instructor told you, you can see the wave that's coming, but look beyond that to see if a better one's there. Mm -hmm. What is a leader to do, or what would you instruct our leaders uh, to do when they see a wave coming to make sure they're catching the right one? Larry Osborne, who is, he's kind of like, He's kind of like Yoda to me, honestly. I love Larry. He pastors an unbelievable church in in uh, the San Diego area. And I remember Larry telling me that opportunity does not equal obligation. And that's huge. Just because you have the opportunity to ride a wave does not mean you're obligated to ride it. So, so um, and, and here's the other thing I've, I've noticed in church culture. Everybody wants to present us with their opportunities. Hey, look at this ministry. Hey, we need to do a special Sunday for this. Hey, we need to do this. We need to do this. We need to do this. And I'm not saying there aren't some great causes out there that we need to be involved in. I'm just saying it's a leader's job to say, you know what, that is important. But I know what's coming in two weeks or three weeks or four weeks or at the end of this month or at the end of this series. And we got to focus our time and our energy and our resources into getting there rather than... um, trying to ride every single wave that comes comes our way. That's good. Hey, so when you were surfing, did you see any sharks? Um, no, but I did ask the guy. So here's the deal. Here's the thing you need to understand about me. I'm petrified about sharks. Petrified. Isn't everybody petrified? Yeah, about no. Some people like Judah Smith. And <laughs> Judah Smith loves sharks. He's um, weird. He, I love Judah, but he is weird. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm petrified of sharks. One of the very first movies I ever remember seeing is Jaws. Um, some of, and I know some of our podcast listeners, that's a classic, but I remember it being out in the theater. And here's the thing about the movie Jaws. If you don't believe me, go back and watch it. It freaked me out because that shark ate a helicopter. Um, now when a shark eats a helicopter, that's freaking bad right there. I mean, and so think about, that's the image I grew up with, with sharks. I thought I can't fly over the ocean because the shark, if he ate the helicopter, why can't he eat a plane? Why not? So, uh... So I'm petrified of sharks. I don't want to be in the water with sharks. So this last time I'm out there and I asked the surfing instructor, I was like, so are there sharks out here? He goes, oh, yeah, there's sharks all the time. And I laughed, and I expected him to laugh with me, and he didn't laugh. And so I'm like, oh, crap, there's sharks. So I was explaining. He goes, yeah, yeah, there's a shark. And they had, they had a name for it, Charlie or something like that. And he said, it comes in and it swims in this cove every day, and we always see the shark and da-da-da-da-da. And I'm like, I'm not wanting to be in the water right now. And I think this dude is smoking way too much weed because I am so uncomfortable. So the, the answer to the question is, unfortunately, yes, there's sharks in the water when, when you're surfing. Well, tell, tell, tell our listeners how that applies to what we're talking about when it comes to trying to catch the right wave, doing what God's called you to do, creating momentum. There's sharks out there too. Yeah, there's always uh, – here, here's reality. We live in a fallen world. We have a real enemy. Um, and I think the the main thing that the devil wants to do is distract us because he can't destroy us until he can distract us, until he can get us off our mission. And he'll do that. He has different ways he comes at different people. Through some people, it's uh, um, people online that disagree with them and that are very expressive in their feelings of, I don't think you're doing the right church or I don't think you're doing church the right way. And you've got to just say, you know what, I'm not going to submit my emotions to somebody who hides behind a fake name on Twitter and won't even identify themselves to people, um, but they're willing to attack them. You know, you, you cannot – here's the thing about, here's the thing about um, riding on a surfboard. If there's a shark under me and I'm riding the wave, 
I don't get off the surfboard to get in the water with a shark because 99% of the time the shark wins. The best thing I can do as a leader is stay on the board and stay focused and head towards the shore. Shark in the water, that's scary, but I've got to do my, I, I got to do the best job possible of staying focused on what I'm called to do, which is ride the wave, not swim in the ocean with the sharks. That's cool. um, sharks are opportunities that could be good opportunities, but they're not great opportunities. Sharks are people that expect you to spend all your time in church activity and um, because you're always involved in the church, you can never be involved at home. Um, those, those type of things. We could sit here and identify sharks all day. The reality is this. Sharks know who they are, and people know who the sharks are, and the best thing to do is not swim with the sharks. I like that because uh, I don't want to swim with sharks either. Mm -mm. Uh, so surfing in the ocean, picking the right board, the right waves, where you surf, all that kind of stuff. I'm assuming that depends on ability, the size of boards you do, the kind of waves you're trying to ride, all that sort of thing. So how does that concept apply to leadership? Can a leader who hears this, what you're talking about today, get in over their head if they don't pick the right type of equipment to, or the right staff or the right ideas uh, to try to catch this momentum? Yeah, so the thing about surfing was I didn't go out and just grab a board and jump in the water and start surfing. Um, you got to be dressed properly. They give you a rash guard, um, which you got to, it's basically a shirt that you wear because if you don't wear it, you're, you're going to get, you know, you're going to get pretty messed up, especially if you're first time surfing. Now, some of the professional guys, they, and, you know, they don't wear the rash guard and that's fine because they, they, they don't have to. But, um, and, and you, you got the little booty shoes things that, you know, kind of keep, and then for me, um, it's very important. You can't just, you, you can't just grab any board. If you're learning, they put you on what they call a longboard. Um, mine was about half the size of the state of Hawaii. I mean, it was, I mean, the, the, I mean, you know, the bigger the base, the, the more likely it is you are to stand up. Now, some of the really good surfers, you'll notice their surfing boards aren't very long because they're, the, the smaller ones are easy to maneuver. They're easy to kind of, um, you know, jump waves with. And, you know, is it called shoot the barrel? Is that what it's called? Shoot the barrel? Yes. Barrel riding. Yeah, there you go. We got a guy that surfs in here more than me. Um, but there's, there's all kinds of ways to, to do that, but you got to have the right equipment. Um, and, and that goes, that goes into leadership because you'll meet somebody that goes, well, I want to start a, I want to start a 501c3. I want to start a nonprofit or I want to start a church or I want to start this, but they literally have zero experience. And I'm not saying experience is necessary because I had no experience with, um, planting a church when I planted New Spring Church, but I did have eight and a half years experience working in a church and learning all that I could in order to set me up to do what I feel like God's called me to do. So you got to make sure that, you know, you got the, you've got the wisdom, you've got some experience under your belt, you've got the ability to do what God's called you to do, because some people go, well, God's called me to preach. Well, you you need to learn how to preach. You need to go, go get Andy Stanley's book on you know, communicating for change and read it over and over and over again and just do that. I mean, you know, you, you've got to get some experience. And the only way that you get better surfing is you got to put time and effort into it. Mm -hmm. If you're not willing to put time and you're not willing to put effort, you're just, you can't surf if you go out there once a year and try to surf. Um, I had to spend some money. I had to hire, I mean, I hired a private instructor this last time to do nothing but work with me. And that transitions into leadership. 
You got to spend time developing yourself as a leader. You got to put effort into actually leading something. Sometimes you do have to spend some money. You've got to buy books. You've got to go to conferences. And let me stop right there on the conferences and the buying books. And let me just say this to leaders buy books from people that have actually done what you're wanting to do. Because the church world, and we've talked about this, Shane, on podcasts before, the church world, we're the only people that will buy books from so-called experts that have never done what they're telling us to do. Like if somebody writes a book on church planting and they've never planted a church, don't buy the book. Just don't. Like if, a, if a surgeon, if a group of surgeons got together and there was a guy that wrote a book on how to do surgery and he's never done surgery, nobody's buying that book because you can tell me the concepts all day long, but if you've never cut somebody open... And don't tell me how to do surgery. And so, so, and don't go to conferences from experts that are telling you to do things that they've never done. Okay. If I go to a, if, if, if I decided one day to go skydiving, I'll, and I go to the skydiving conference, I want to talk to people that have actually dove out of a plane for some unknown reason and lived to tell about it, you know, rather than people that know skydiving theories and skydiving concepts. So I would say buy books and go to conferences and learn from people that have actually done what you're trying to do. That's a that's good wisdom. I got a little I got a little fired up right there because that's like that's it. one of my pet peeves. Oh, and I was just told by my assistant who doesn't have her phone with her, so she had to look it up on her iPad um, that the Unleashed Twitter is at Unleashed CC. So there we go at Unleashed CC. Uh, at Unleashed, as, as we probably sent, we probably sent people to a porn site. I feel really <laughs> sorry. sorry about that. Uh, at Unleash dot no not not dot cc sorry at Unleash cc Unleash cc that's U N L E A S H C C. Yeah. So if you're keeping score out there, we're not good at math nor remembering Twitter handles. Nope. Nor remembering <laughs> Twitter handles. <laughs> so with that. Riding the way, Perry. Is there anything, uh, any final thoughts for our listeners before we uh, check out? Also, we're not good at quoting people. Um, she also wrote down for me that Dave Ramsey's definition of momentum, and somebody's already sent an email, so we didn't have to worry about this probably, is focused intensity over time. Focused intensity. Oh, that's what we said, isn't it? Yeah. Because, okay, I put that, we put that. Oh, no, that, there was the word that threw me off. Focused intensity over time equals unstoppable momentum. Oh. I, I didn't use the word unstoppable, but that's true. Unstoppable, unstoppable momentum. Um, we may need to redo the podcast I, if momentum's I, unstoppable. Might, I don't know. She's sitting here writing notes. I mean, when she don't have her phone, she gets so <laughs> distracted. Um, anyway, uh, the, the, the biggest thing is you got those natural times of momentum. Ride those waves. When you don't have a wave coming, don't use that as an excuse for downtime. Say, you know what? If we don't have a wave coming, we're going to make a wave. We're going to do everything we can to make every church service um, as best as possible. Listen, we've got 52 shots a year to teach people about Jesus on their level, and that deserves our very best effort. And if you do that over and over and over and over again, Jim Collins talks about it in his book, Good to Great, on hitting the flywheel. Now, um, every people know. People don't call our office anymore to ask, is this a good Sunday to bring a lost friend to New Spring? Every Sunday is yeah. a great Sunday because we don't surrender Sundays and we don't take Sundays off. 
That's great. Well, that's a good place to wrap up today's podcast. We're really grateful that you joined us today. Hope this was helpful, and we will see you guys next time.